Welcome in brand new Friday scramble July 22nd, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman, that right there. Andy Lack. Andy, happy Friday. Happy Friday, man. Uh, big news this morning. You big chain smokers guy, Rick. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Listen, man, it's a pretty big gap for them. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm very curious if it ever comes out how much they paid them, but that's a, that's yeah. a fascinating gap for them. You're referring to they're they're the act for live Bedminster. Right. I should probably have provided some context there. I, I just presume everybody knows what I'm talking about when I go on a golf show and talk, start talking about the chain smokers. I do. Uh, I do know they're very pop. They have a, from what I understand, they have a residency at the win because every time I'm in the win, I see like, posters and promotion for them so i imagine they do not come cheap they're huge no yeah. no no. it's there i i i'm like i say this it's a bit but i'm also like half serious it is a i'm it's a big gap for them i am very very fascinated um if it ever comes out how much they paid him but i mean it, i guess i guess they're kind of going all in on hey guys this is this is a party. We're not just going to pay the players, but we're going to, we're going to get you the whole experience. So I'm bu kind of bummed. I'm going away that weekend for a golf trip. It's uh it's right in my neck of the woods. Uh, the chain smokers, weren't they the concert uh, that the PGA tour still held? Like as they were turning people away from entering the players championship during COVID like that, like the final they were, they were still having the chain smokers concert. Or was it earlier in the week? were they i had no idea that there was sure a relationship that. with the pga tour there so the chain smokers the pga tour had them first and then that's who live gets that is my understanding yes someone in the chat can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure that's i'm pretty sure that that happened that's unbelievable on so many levels uh oh 3m open is heating up specifically emiliano grillo as we chat right now, five under par, he's got six holes to go. He's three shots clear of Tony Finau, who's also out on the golf course. And uh, two guys who are already in the clubhouse, Scott Piercy, Sung Jam, they have not teed off yet. Uh, Grillo had opposite baby swag. Did you realize that? No, I didn't. He just had, he, they just had a kid. He had a baby, got into okay. a horrible slump. Ball striking was terrible. Putter was still terrible. No surprise there. But uh, you often get the guys who have a baby get instant perspective and go out and win. Uh, Emiliano was one of the few guys who had reverse baby swag, bizarro baby swag, uh, but now he's back to playing well again. Well, you know, I think in, I, not like I'm speaking from experience here, but I think probably in those first couple months, you're getting the sleep schedule down. And, uh, now it seems like he's coming into his own. I, I caught him this morning on uh PGA tour live. It's been delightful. He is, um, Grio's bugaboo has always been the short game and putting, and it seems like he's kind of rolling it just fine right now. So if he continues to hit it this way, I mean, listen, I don't think you should, he actually just made a bogey as I was speaking. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think you should ever bet Emil Emiliano Grio when he's leading a tournament. Right. But I do think that based on how strong the ball striking is, he probably has some staying power.
Yeah, he is uh, currently the co-favorite over at Caesars with Sung JM, who has not teed off yet. Now, this might change because he just tapped in for bogey so maybe he he drops a little bit here but uh sung jay who has yet to tee off is plus 350 tony fina out on the golf course right now plus 450 grillo is also plus 350 and then you get kind of the guys lining up behind that uh you start to wonder who has the real moxie to pull this thing off right i think there's some interesting names here um cameron davis was my one and done pick prior to the week i think both of us were win <laughs> I think both of us were pretty high on him. Uh, he's playing great this morning. Um, I kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think what Hadwin's pre-tournament number was. I think it was probably in like maybe the 22 to, to 25 range, something yeah. like that. I think no? he was with those, like when they lumped everybody into like 16 and 16 to 25 and there was like nine guys there. I'm pretty sure he was one of those guys. Right. Okay. So I think the question that you have to ask yourself Rick is how do we think this is going to play in the afternoon? Hmm. I, because I, you know, yesterday afternoon, it was brutal today. It's playing a lot easier this morning than it did yesterday morning. So do we think that it's going to hold up and, and still play on the easier side this afternoon? I think so. Um, you know, the fork, I haven't checked the forecast in a few hours, but it didn't seem like there was any market winds coming in uh i could check it again here in a second but without that we know just by the nature of kind of choppier greens and the way things work um it will get a little bit more difficult in the afternoon but i i mean we're two shots we're two shots easier right now than we were yesterday so i i, I think there are going to be some uh opportunities to put some scores out there yeah just you know looking at the wind on a surface level it was really windy yesterday and it's just straight up not today. I mean, it's still, there's still so much uh, variance on this course, which is something that we talked about uh, when we were doing the Tuesday show too, is about, you know, there's so much water on this course. There's obviously a lot of birdies, but there are a ton of big numbers as well. So I don't, I don't know if you're going to see somebody go out there and shoot a 63 or a 64 this afternoon, but I don't think that I would be too concerned with, taking a chance on some of the guys that haven't played yet this afternoon with the assumption that they are, uh, they're going to have, so they're going to have a chance to show, put up a pretty good number this afternoon. Uh, I'm showing the leaderboard right now, and this is my favorite section of the leaderboard. Andy, do you have any idea what these golfers have in common? Because there's kind of a mixed bag here. I was going to say highest owned in DraftKings. <laughs> yeah. They're the, they're the eight highest owned golfers plus Chris Goddard is what they are. Uh, yeah. Goddard's actual ownership number did not like, yeah, it, it became so, okay. There is a real thing about like owner, like ownerships becoming like kind of more self-aware, right? right. We, you know, we're getting it earlier in the week. It's becoming more and more accurate when you see someone on a Tuesday morning, who's like 28% and there's still a lot of time to make lineups. It, it like it, it's becoming more self-aware. So Goddard never, pushed like that outrageous number but he was still, i mean i still know a ton of people bet him so i included him here so that's what you're looking at yeah 100 percent. and this is something i talk about every single week in the wednesday article that i do on rickrungood.com where i say every single week there's one guy that is talked about as chalk all throughout the week that will not be chalk 
And there is one guy that everybody thinks is the sneaky play and they think they're being (laughs) sneaky with and ends up being way higher owned than you would expect. And that's why I said when I was seeing the 25 and the 26 percentages on Chris Goddard up, I said, no, in my opinion, that's going to be more like 17. And, And I think he ended up 15. So even I was a little bit high on that. But yeah, I mean, this is something that I talked about too with you, Rick, is that in my opinion, Life is too short to play guys at 20% when water comes into play on 15 holes, right? And I think we've started to kind of see this play out where it's like these tournaments are really, really good for DraftKings, just like the Honda Classic is because you're going to have to make some uncomfortable clicks, but chalk is, there is inevitably going to be some chalk that bombs. There's too many landmines on this course. Uh, you mentioned the one guy that's talked about more than he actually is played. And the one guy who everyone th- thinks is sneaky, that doesn't end up being sneaky. What do you think contributes to the difference between perception and, and reality in those, in those cases? I think what it is, Rick, I think it has a lot to do with, consuming all of the content every week and hearing who everybody starts talking about as the chalky guy. So for Goddard up, for example, I think it got to the point where now people were starting to talk about Goddard up as like a fish play. Right. And you start to hear pot. I know I talked about it on my podcast. I was, you know, you're almost shitting on the people that are eating that overwhelming chalk that it gets to the point where there's almost a boomerang effect, right? Where, People start to say, oh, my God, I I can't do this. And then he comes in a lot lower than you would expect. And there's always this other like I'm trying to think of a good example of this. I don't know off the top of my head who it would be for this week. I'd have to look at the whole ownership. But I remember last week at the open, everybody kept talking about Xander as the mega chalk guy. And yet everybody still kept touting Cam Smith. Right. But Cam Smith didn't carry the chalk label for some reason. He was just like, oh, Xander's going to be the mega chalk. I really like Cam Smith. And at the end of the day, Xander and Cam Smith ended up being pretty much completely even in ownership. Right. Whereas Xander had the label as chalk and Cam Smith was just a guy that everyone liked. So to be honest with you, I think it has a lot to do with how these get guys get talked about in the perception around them on podcasts, right? What percent? I, no, I think you're, I, I, I very much agree with you. And with, there has been a shift and you've probably noticed this as well in the last year, there, there has never been more content earlier right. now, right? Mm-hmm. There used to be a time where I could wake up on Monday. I could sip coffee. I could think about it all day long. I could maybe record something Monday night, have it out Tuesday morning, and I'd be the first guy out there. It's like, no, like there's like 19 podcasts out by the time I wake up on on Monday morning, right? Like it's just, it's just happening a lot earlier now. So I think the, the life cycle of content and discussion around these players is just lasting longer and it's going through ebbs and flows. Let me ask you this. What percentage of people who make lineups on DraftKings consume some type of content? That's such a good question. Um, I've asked that question before to higher stakes DraftKings players because I'm I'm so curious about it myself. 
I don't know the answer. I would imagine that there is a percentage of people that have no idea who you are, have no idea who I am, have no idea who Pat Mayo is, and they look at Rob Bolton's power rankings on PGA <laughs> Tour dot com yes. every week, and then plug those guys into a DraftKings right. lineup. Like those, right. and don't are not on Twitter. Like those guys, <laughs> those guys definitely exist. Um, what I will say is that you touched on the giant growth of of podcasts. And I, I really enjoyed your episode that I think you put out a couple of days ago on like the fantasy sports mm. industry. Um, it's not just more content. I think it's more intelligent content and I don't really, I wish I had more time in the day to listen to all the great podcasts that are out there. I kind of get burnt out and, you know, I spend so much time talking about golf that when I have right. 20 minutes in the car, 20 minutes on the gym. It's like, I kind of want to hear people talk about movies or football or basketball because I'm so burnt out on hearing about Sahith Tagala's ball striking stats. But it's not just that there's more content. It's that there's more intelligent content. And I could shout out a million different people on Twitter, a million different podcasts, a million different, you know, stuff that is free. Right. And, and completely right. easily accessible to people as well that I think it is making, you know, what's interesting to me, Rick, and we talked about this offline a couple of days ago, too, is like you used to listen to podcasts about DFS and it was only pecs. Like people <laughs> did not people would go a 45 minute podcast without referring to ownership in a mm-hmm. DraftKings podcast, mm-hmm. which makes zero sense to me, but I, you know, I think those days are over. I think people are starting to understand that, Hey, it's not just a game about picking the guys that make the most sense in your model. It's about game theory too, and understanding that. And I think that's why the conversation has shifted a little bit in, in, in the last year, at least. Yeah. I, I, I would love to know the number I, I, and we're in the bubble. So maybe like, I tend to think it's like, Oh, you know, 75% of people who make lineups are consuming some type of content. Now, if you lower the bar very much to like, I don't know. I watched the highlights from last week or like, I don't know where we draw the line on what, what the content is. But um, I like to think that people who are putting in lineups are generally aware of what's happening in the sport and the industry, but I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure how true that is. I think a good example of this is a couple weeks ago, I forgot what tournament this was, but Chris Goderup at like 6,300 was 25%. Yeah. And that's a good, I'm, that's a great example. That's a content thing. That is a, that is a pure content thing. That is pure evidence that yeah. people are less because Goderup was highly, highly touted that week. Not by me, certainly. <laughs> Um, but, but that has to be, that has to be a content thing. Right. And like another example of this is even this week, how many people know who Ju Young Kim is, right? I, I, you know, he, Ju Young Kim was 28%, 30% in some of the higher stakes contests. Right. So you have to imagine that that's content, right? Yes. The, the, the Goddard up one is the perfect example. Tom Kim is too, just because it's like, Unless you're like not, not everyone's following collegiate golf or like amateur golf to know who he is or care who he is and when he's going to be making his pro debut and things like that. So yes, it is. It is strictly that to me is much, much higher, much more highly correlated with content than a lot of other examples. That's a really good one. 
I like that. Right. Um, what do what do you think? What do you think this week before we move on about some of these higher price players? Like, were you surprised with the Hideki withdrawal at all? I mean, I, I no. I, I mean, I, I'm surprised from a from a standpoint of like he was 21 percent owned or something like that. So now all these contests are rake free. Thank you very much, Hideki. <laughs> but no, right? I mean, this we and we've seen this at this event where you put three in the water and it's Thursday and you're a star. No need to come back on Friday. Dustin Johnson did it right. And also Hideki's probably on the upper end of WDs. Uh, right. right. And then you, that's before you even throw in, is he going to live like, and like anything else? Like if live didn't exist, I'd still wouldn't be surprised. Um, but I guess what's even more interesting is, so I've got, I still have this leaderboard up here. So these are the eight, Highest owned golfers and Chris Goddard up. Um, hmm. As of this moment, six of them are outside the cut line. And Mad McNeely hasn't teed off yet, right? He's T44. He hasn't teed off yet. The cut likely to be plus one. If things yeah. get, if things, that that's the favorite. If things uh, play easier, you know, you could get it to even maybe, but plus right. one's like the favorite right now. So you're talking about, a lot of guys who are very popular who are currently outside the cut line looking in and have some work to do. And, and, and I don't want to pat us on the back, but like you and I, and you are very much on top of this. Like you're going to get volatility playing chalk at TPC twin cities feels like a bad idea. <laughs> right. And you, you don't even have Tringali in there who was 17, 18%. And I think last time he checked, I checked Tringali was, plus two or plus three as well. Okay. He, he's, he's just back, back. in. Yeah. He's fight. He's fighting back a little bit, but yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, my philosophy with DraftKings, what I always say is I'm okay. Losing 50, 60, 70, 80% of the time, but the weeks where there is a low six of six percentage are the weeks where I am generally going to have a good week. If you look, you don't have to know who my plays are heading into the week. If you look at the top of the leaderboard and you see that a lot of the chalk is smashing, you could probably write down that I'm probably having a tough week. And if you look at the leaderboard and you see a bunch of weirdos and names you don't recognize, then you can probably imagine that I'm having um, a better week. So I, um, I hope this holds. I'm, I'm my, my big guys, are Sung J Mav and and Hadwin. Um, so you know, I hope those guys hang around and um I'm excited for the weekend. I'm enjoying this tournament, to be honest with you. I, I think that um I don't think that this is an interesting golf course per se, but I think that it is a good golf course to watch PGA tour golf on, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, and it and it provides some interesting outcomes. The right. course itself might not be that interesting, but it creates it creates drama at least, which I like. <laughs> right. And every single year that even the Michael Thompson year, we've had an exciting finish down the stretch. I mean, 18 is objectively a really fun closing hole, right? Yeah, like and I it's think, not it's not super gettable as a par five. Guys are like, uh, I'm making I'm having some issues here. <laughs> um, I'm sidetracking us for a second off the top of your head. Favorite finishing holes on the PGA tour quail hollow. Uh, okay. Good one. Thank you. That was literally the first one that popped into my brain. Uh, I like in Phoenix where you can try to carry the 
church, what are those, like the church pews? Yep. Um, those were literally the first two that popped into my brain. What about, I don't know. Those might be, uh, Tory's kind of interesting because if you miss the fairway, you have to lay it up. And then you had to lay right. up like how close to the water. And then they could put the pin in kind of some interesting spots where you like the pin where they had it this year, where List and Zalatoris both putted from like that same spot, I think, in the playoff. Uh, and Zalatoris might have had the same putt in regulation. Like that was kind of interesting pin location because your only options are you can lay it up and try to like wedge it back into the bowl or you can blow it over the green, but then you got to chip back down the hill towards the water, which is kind right. of interesting. So those are the right. three that popped immediately into my head. Right. I'll throw out Pebble came to mind, not yeah. just aesthetically. That's a fun, reachable par five where you could also, you know, hit it in the water if you go left. Um, I don't love Riviera as much anymore because it, mm. they need to lengthen that hole a little bit mm -hmm. more because it used to be this really tough finisher. And I remember going there and Neiman had driver 75 yards in right. um so you know i think like strategically that's a really great golf hole that maybe needs a little bit of a lengthening i feel like tpc river highlands is such a great course and then the 18th <laughs> hole is always super underwhelming um yeah i think another good one to do would be like best finishing three hole stretches right because then okay. i think you would throw phoenix into the mix phoenix gets a big bump there hundred percent because I think 17 is like the best drivable par four on the PGA tour right. and you've got the 16 stadium hole. Um, so yeah, that maybe that's a fun off season exercise for us. Sedgefield has a sneaky, good finishing hole. I remember yes. the, the long uphill par four. That's yeah. like a sneaky, tough, good par four. Remember when I guess it still has it, but it's no longer on the tour. Greenbriars 18th is a par three, right? Right. And Eastlake used to be that way too. And they switched it up. Another fun one to do would be like all of the major venues because that throws a whole other wrinkle into it because there's some really, really good finishing ones yes. for the major venues too. Yeah. So Southern Hills is like an like, awesome, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here's what we're going to do. We'll do uh, props on the other side. So we are indeed presented by Prize Picks. Probably should have mentioned that sooner than 23 minutes into the show, but we got distracted with fun stuff. Use the code RICK up to 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks. There's a link in the description. I've got some results to share with you, and we're going to talk through the board for the afternoon slate. But first, we're going to hear a quick word from Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Uh, okay, Andy, B-Man says he's making the trip from Canada to the Waste Management this winter. I imagine that will be quite the nice feeling to go from, because it'll be like the first week of February, to go from Canada to sunny Arizona. That'll be, that'll feel good on the skin. 
Right. Won't they have the whole DraftKings thing set up too? Aren't they going to have, oh, they're going to have that, that big, gonna be like, done? I think so. I think they were targeting 2023. And of course that's super, super bowl weekend as well. So it's probably a, probably a we fun. Should, yeah. We, we should, should do that. I was going to say, we should make the trip. Why are we yeah. not going? <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's okay. not too far from either of us if I'm on the West coast. So yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, let's uh, prop it like it's hot here. So this is uh, the board over at Prize Picks. We've got the afternoon guys. So you're thinking about Sung Jay, you're thinking about Sahith, you're thinking about Adam Hadwin. And uh, before we jump into that, Andy M, who tracks all of the birdier better matchups, lets lets us know the headliners again booked a W for round one, seven, four, and four. So I don't know what that makes their five, six, seven weeks, whatever Andy's been tracking this with, but another day, another win for the headliners. Right. And you know, it's going to be interesting to monitor as the CC has, you know, once we sung JM versus Tyler Duncan, Andy, right? Well, Sahith versus Peter Malnati too. all these guys. Um, those are the two that stood out to me the most. I think that, you know, what Fowler Palmer is closer uh, but yeah, McNeely and Kadira too. That's another one. I mean, yeah. Steele and Fratelli. So I, actually that kind of leads me to, so uh, I, I like to look at, as you know, and as everybody, if you're, if you're listening to this, you know, like there are a lot of different ways to shoot a 70 on the PGA tour. There's a lot right. of different ways to shoot a 66. There's a lot of different ways to do a lot of this stuff. And, um, you know, so you start to look at what some of these guys did yesterday. Brendan Steele, who is not a particularly good putter, Lost four strokes putting yesterday. Well, he's not that bad, Andy, right? He's like yeah. a lose, like a half a stroke kind of guy or like a full stroke kind of guy and still went out and shot an even, or no, he was uh, one over by losing four strokes to the field with the flat stick. Like that feels right. like that's coming back. Um, right. And if I remember correctly for Telly was completely all over the place. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was horrible. Yeah, he lost off the tee, on approach, around the green. He gained two strokes with the putter, which he doesn't isn't normally going to do. So, like, that's prime for regression. Um, stuff like that, right? So, I use I use the live leaderboard, and some of these just stand out like like crazy. And and in no world should Sung J M and Tyler Duncan be equals. I would do if it was me. I would do a power play of Sung Jay, Sahith, Mav, and Steel. <laughs> What's that payout? Uh, 10 to 1. Yeah. Or 10, 10 X. I shouldn't say it. 10 to 1 is not actually accurate. 10 times your investment. Uh, so 100 to win 1,000, 10 to win 100. Yeah, I'm going to put that in on our next commercial break. Yeah, that, that makes too much sense. Um, otherwise... Uh, I, I went into strokes. So I, I actually already have an entry in for McNeely and steel together for strokes. And actually mm -hmm. those lines have moved over uh, or under I'll take full credit for, uh, under on both of them, but I got them at 71 and 70. Okay. They're now yep. 70 Mark, and a half market movers. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, but yeah, otherwise, listen, I'm just, those, those birdie or better matchups are money printers and I'm just going to continue to, to print there. Do you think that once, cause I would imagine they will still give us stuff during the fall swing, but I would imagine that they even spend less time on golf once football kicks up. Yeah. I imagine we're going to smash them in the fall. Yeah. 
That's what I was thinking too. I just think there's so much, there's so many other focuses. I mean, they're doing MLB live now, which makes me think they're going to be doing NFL live, which makes me think that those resources are going to be um, allocated towards the national football league and not to the PGA. Yeah. hundred percent. And I've played prize picks football. They have tons and tons and tons of offerings, right? So I mean, it'll be interesting to see what we get during the fall swing. Hopefully they like, hopefully they have at least just like one intern that is posting something for us. <laughs> I think they will. Uh, okay. Use the code Rick. There's a link in the description. Go get your instant deposit match. Um, we don't have much more to talk about. We're just going to have a little fun on the other side. So we'll see you in just a few seconds. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf-specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Andy, I made the mistake of uh, tweeting out something looking for serious responses. Um, that was the mistake. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. The golf, the golf betting advice tweet. Uh, yeah. So I legit was like, okay, you know, cause I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to the win here in a bit and I'm going to record something and I kind of wanted to dive okay. into some of that. So it was like, I was harvesting some ideas and I was just trying to make sure I hadn't missed anything and all that. So I threw out on Twitter, you know, what's the best single best golf betting tip that you know. And I was like, I'll get some great responses here. I'll get some. This is going to be the best. There's going to be stuff I hadn't thought about. 50% of them were jokes, which I always appreciate. 25% were real golf tips. So I now have some good short game tips, but not necessarily <laughs> uh, golf wagering tips. So let me let me try this again here. Uh, is there a tip or two that you find yourself uh, thinking about often, putting into play on a weekly basis? What What a value can we offer here? Um, okay. Let me give like a broad strokes one first. I think that there is a, um, a need, a feeling in the Twitter world to hit outrights. And I think that a lot of people are really focused on building their bankroll through hitting outrights. And I would say, I know that it's not as sexy. You're probably not going to get as many likes on a post. If you go five for six on matchups versus if you hit somebody <laughs> at 40 to one. Um, but all of the people that do this professionally and live in Las Vegas and bet golf for a living are betting the matchups. And so just from a broad strokes standpoint, I would say, don't be afraid to like, yeah, outrights are fun, but I would not expect to make money year to year betting outrights. I would say build your bankroll through the smaller stuff like the matchups and the finishing positions. And then just do what I always do is I always try and put myself in a position where 
my bankroll has nothing to do with outrights. It is not dependent on outrights. And if I hit one, it's just a bonus. I'm far more heavily invested in the finishing position and matchups market. But that would be kind of my at a bird's eye view macro just strategy level. Yeah, it's um, the the Twitter golf betting ecosystem is it's not toxic. Football is much more toxic, but it does right. not lend itself well to people who aren't like, like betting. Yes. You're only getting credit for betting outrights and you're not even getting credit, Andy, when John Rahm wins the Mexico open or when Tony Finau <laughs> wins the three M open at 11 to one. Everyone's like, yeah, no, like duh, you're an idiot. You bet him at 11 to one. You're such an idiot when 11 to one in any other world, in any other sport, would be magnificent. You don't even get credit for that in golf betting Twitter. So it, it, it creates this, this, this social currency where you are stuck betting and posting about tickets that are 40 to one and longer. Right. It, it's so funny because if somebody during football season posted a ticket where they parlayed five NFL games together, to get 11 to one odds, people would be like, Oh my gosh, Holy shit. What a, what a hit. Where's your, where's your Patreon? Where can I get in on this? (laughs) Right. But if somebody posted an 11 to one bet on Tony Finau this week and it hit, people would be poo pooing, uh, it all over. So I completely agree with you. I think it is very, um, I think that's a, I think it's a really fun strategy and, and, I like betting outrights. Don't get me wrong. I bet outrights every single week. It's fun. It's a, it's the most fun sweat yes. in sports betting, in my opinion, out of any sport, any type of bet in the world. Um, but I don't think that it is, if you're just getting into golf betting, I don't think it's the way that the way that I would approach it at least. The other thing that I'll mine into uh, this afternoon, and I want to get your thoughts on is, I actually think outright betting does not necessarily lend itself well to the strengths of you and I. So I looked it up. I quick count. There's been, you know, 41 events this season or something like that. And they've been won by 30 different golfers. Like that's it. Thir- like 30 golfers have cashed you an outright. Well, what's the reward for knowing 200 guys? What's the reward for understanding the strengths and weaknesses of all of these other guys. It's it's not necessarily outrights. It's probably a lot more in matchups and three balls and finishing position and all this other stuff that if you are super well-researched and have a finger on the pulse, like outrights are the worst place to allocate your knowledge. Right. A hundred percent. Just to provide some context to what you're talking about this season, I'm plus 3.46 units up on outrights and plus 20.19 units up on just the top 40 market alone. Do you ever bet top 40s, Rick? Uh, no, it's not. There, it's a lot harder to come by in Vegas. Um, okay. Like those, ex- believe it or not, the gambling capital of the world, like the like the expanded finishing positions, plenty of top five, top 10, top 20, top 40s are a little bit harder to come by. I've kind of fallen in love with, the top 40 market it's cool. and i, I, like I it. hope it yeah i hope it becomes more accessible to in more places because what i like about the top 40 market is it kind of hits on exactly what you just said which is like what where i find my edge in golf betting is that i know more about lee hodges than you do right is lee hodges going to win the tournament 
No, but how can I make money on the fact that I know more about Lee Hodges than you do? And for me, it's the top 40 market, right? Because you can still get these guys at like plus 150, plus 175, plus 200 in the top 40 market that nobody knows at all. Um, and also, I think that, you know, I feel like I have more information on these guys than the books. Like I, I, I find more discrepancies in terms of my pricing versus the top 40 market than any other market. So that's the one that I tend to gravitate to the most. Uh, I love it. Um, okay. I want to pick your brain on some more of that stuff, but I'll do it later. Finally, real quick. And we'll, we'll get out of here. Uh, we all saw the pileup of golf clubs coming back from Scotland. You've been traveling, you've been playing golf. Have you taken your clubs with you? What's like the best, do you just pack them up and, and pray they get there? Or, I mean, I don't want to give any free ads, but like everybody seems to love ship sticks. I don't know if that's a real thing or not. Well, how do you get your club spices? You know, I've never done ship sticks. I have a golf travel bag. Um, and I will admit I have never had them lost. Knock on wood. Right. Um, I've had a couple times where there was a mix up in terms of, you know, is it coming out oversized? Is it coming out in another place? And I've been yeah. sitting at the airport feeling awful because everybody in my family has their bags and they're waiting on my golf clubs. Um, but no, have you done ship sticks at all? I, I, I don't even know too much no. about it, to be honest with you. So my understanding of ship sticks, at least when they first started, was you could only ship from like one golf course to another golf course. So you'd yeah. have to like take them to a golf course and and they would be where you need them. I th I don't think it's like that anymore. I think you can basically send them to any address or whatever. But do I do I pack them myself? Do I go to a ship? Are there ship sticks locations? Is it just FedEx is rebranding it some way? Like I, I really don't even know anything about it. But every time you hear this, everyone's like, "Oh, you should have used ship sticks." Blah blah blah. I, I don't I don't know that for sure. So you're a travel bag guy too. Yeah, I've got a soft case, but the top of it is like that super ultra padded. I think I think it's a bag boy, like that super yeah. ultra like rigid padding. And then um I wrap like a like a beach towel, uh, like basically around it, and then like so that way they're not banging all together, add a little bit of protection, keep everything nice and tight, and then pray to the golf gods that they arrive in one piece. What's the farthest you've traveled with your golf clubs? I took them Cross to Mexico. Country? Yeah. Okay. I took them to Cabo for our honeymoon, believe it or not. I was like, I'm just going to bring these gloves. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's the furthest. I did have, I did have them. I had them where they didn't show up and they got there two days later, which was like maddening once. And I had to yeah. wear gloves. I'm like, well, why did I even lug these? Which is like the worst, but I generally I've had a pretty good experience. Yeah. Me too. Knock on wood. I've got a few times where I'm going to need to take them in the upcoming months. So, uh, yeah, I saw that. That was so funny. Cause I guess all the media guys that went to St. Andrews, they're all like, Hey, we might as well bring our clubs. This is, there's so many great golf courses in the area and play with all these guys. And, and the, and the other thing is because it's light until like 11 o'clock, they do like all their media stuff and then they go tee off at like seven o'clock and they can still get around in. So yeah, it was oh like the perfect gosh. place to, for all those guys to take their golf clubs, except they might not see them for a month on the way back. <laughs> right. No, that is the, that is the absolute dream. I mean, playing golf at, at 11 at night. Um, 
I can't imagine. We're pre- we got it pretty good right now. It's staying it's staying yeah. light until like 8:39 p.m. where we are. So no yeah. complaints. We're good. All right, Andy. Always a pleasure as usual. You and I will be back on Tuesday next week's the Rockets mortgage. Maybe Cam Davis wins this week and then defends next week. That'd be kind of that'd be kind of fun. We'll see how see how that goes. Um, but for now. You can follow Andy on Twitter. He's available at ADP Lack Sports. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Friday scramble. Good luck.